simple like climbing a ladder. I actually have to kind of map it and plan it and conquer it, yeah? There's also that whole element of when I'm up there, I am amazing, I am pretty much flying, I am so great. And, and it's, the, um, it's the, that whole notion of the world is absolutely enormous from up a tree, but you know what, so am I. Because I'm up there and I've done it and I did it and I got up there. There's something amazing about climbing a tree. And the, the whole idea of actually having to do that um, physical, um, it's kind of almost a little bit mindless, but another part of your brain is working and you're actually being quite creative. So it probably releases some other aspects of your brain to work that don't normally work because it's, it's an out-of-the-ordinary thing to do. But the thing for me is that it does the most, is it changes my perspective. If I am up in a tree, or my kids are up in a tree, their imaginations have got clicked into gear, they are thinking creatively, they have got a really different perspective on the world. So, I thought yesterday, I actually said this to my husband David, he'll nod in agreement, I said yesterday when I was doing a bit of a final look at today's message going, I think I need to climb a tree. I didn't, sorry, (laughs) as if. I was wearing a skirt. That was never going to happen. But tree climbing is fantastic. So I I just wonder, you know, whether you want to just engage for a minute that whole idea of when was the last time you climbed a tree? Some of you may have never climbed a tree. I would encourage you to climb a tree. Or if you're looking after your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews or your own kids or friends' kids or whatever, find a tree. Let them climb it. Should I do a disclaimer here, Steve? Of like, uh, she told me to climb a tree and then they broke their arm. No, don't. You shouldn't go too high when you're over 50. I think you shouldn't go. And there's a rule in my house when it comes to tree climbing. If my kids are up on a branch and they say, Mum, I need some help, I'm like, No, you, if you can't get there without my help, you can't get there because you can't get back down. So, and maybe that applies to the over 50s as well, Steve. Excellent. So then the question is, is if it is that good, why do we grow out of it? I don't have an answer to that, but I thought it was a good question. Why do we grow out of it? Because it is so good. It gives us this amazing perspective. It, it kind of gets us creative. It's out in the real world. We get to breathe in, breathe out. It's fantastic. But today, I want to talk to you about a grown man who climbed a tree. This is a great story. This is a really, really great story. So I want to read a little bit of Luke 19. This is about a grown man who climbed a tree and it changed his life. So if you'd like to read on with me, it's Luke 19. You can uh, get it out on your little devices or um, open up your Bibles, whatever you like. So it starts a bit like this. There was a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector who was very rich. We're going to find out just how rich later. He was very rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a small man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran on ahead along the route Jesus was going to take, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. What a clever bloke. Found a tree and climbed up it to see Jesus. So, I'm going to start with the idea of who is Zacchaeus. Okay, so Zacchaeus, first and foremost, was a Jewish man. He had grown up in the Jewish tradition and he was a tax collector, which is completely at odds with his 
Jewish rules for living, okay? So he was a tax collector. He probably wandered around the region in which he lived with a bit of a Roman guard beside him. He was a small man. I'm kind of channeling Danny DeVito, okay? Yeah? He's kind of like going around going, I, can't, I tried to... Uh, let me try that again. No, I can't do it. I can't impersonate Danny DeVito. I did it at home. It worked in my head. <laughs> You old channel Danny DeVito. But he's wandering around town and he's got his big tall Roman guard, probably with some sort of stick sword thing and the the mop thing on his head. And they're walking around and he's like, yo, you haven't paid your tax and you need to pay your tax. And if you don't pay your tax... And they're sort of like looking down at him going like, what are you going to do? He's like, that guy is going to get you. So he's wandering around town and... And he's a tax collector and he's saying you need to pay taxes to the Romans and not only that, but you have to pay this much tax to the Romans and I need to make a bit of extra because they said whatever extra I get off the top of that, I get to take a bit of a cut. So he's got his calculator and he's over there doing his sums and then he gives them an extortions figure and because he's got his Roman guard beside him and he's kind of like looking a little tough little Danny DeVito guy, he's extorting money, probably out of his own people. And not only that, he wasn't just a simple tax collector, but he was, like the, uh, he was like the boss of all tax collectors in the region. So he probably got to, to collect the tax from the richest part of town, but he also had all these little minions out there, and he would probably like call a little huddle once a week, going, you guys aren't going hard enough, we need to get more money out of these people, so when you're there, you've got to get, you make sure your guard stands up like this, and he's probably giving them all great advice about how to be the meanest greediest tax collectors that they can be because that's what they did and that's the life that he was rolling on with. So he was chief amongst the tax collectors and because of that, he was probably very, very lonely. He was probably not very well liked. He was probably pretty well outcast. So he was quite rich and quite powerful but he was probably desperately lonely and lost. So then the next question is, why did he climb a tree? I actually think he was probably really smart. He's not a dumb guy. He was really smart. And he had probably heard about this Jesus guy coming. He'd probably heard the backstories of what Jesus was doing and that he was coming into our town. And, and he's probably done a bit of, hmm, thinking Danny DeVito again. He's probably thinking, about, hmm, if this guy really is powerful, I like, I'm going to need to find out because I want to be the most powerful guy. I don't want someone else coming into my region and being powerful. So maybe I better get, you know, figure out who this guy is. Or on the opposite side, maybe he was starting to shake in his boots. Maybe he was hearing the stories of this guy. They're saying he's the Messiah. They're saying that he's the guy that's going to change everything. They're saying that he's the guy that's raising people from the dead. They're saying, they're saying, they're saying all sorts of things. What if he really is? I've been messing up bad. I don't know. I actually don't know which one it was. But either way, he wanted to see Jesus. And he's doing a bit of, Jesus is coming. Can't see. Move out of the way. Can't see. I know what I'll do. I get ahead of the game, I run up the road, I get myself, shimmy up a tree, and I'll definitely be able to see what's going on. So he's run up ahead and he shimmied up a sycamore tree. Grown man up a tree, love it. Shimmied up there in his very wealthy boots. For some reason, whether it was his greed, wondering about his power, or whether it was 
curiosity about whether this guy, Jesus, was legit, something had attracted him to want to go and have a closer look. So what happened to him? Look at me, I'm all across this today. <laughs> oh. oh, what happened there? I get to the upper tree. When Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus is up the tree, Jesus looks up. Zacchaeus, he said to him, hurry up and come down. I have to stay at your house today. So he hurried up and he came down. Isn't that brilliant? Jesus, walking along, bit of a crowd, lots going on, notices a guy up a tree, makes his way over and says, Zacchaeus. That's actually a big deal. In a lot of stories, we hear about a blind man on the road, a woman at the well, a bloke in a hat, whoever it is. But in this story, we are told his name. I actually think that's kind of important. Jesus knew his name and used it. So you might go, well, he probably had a bit of a reputation. And like when they saw the guy up the tree, everybody was probably going, oh, what's that Zacchaeus guy doing up that tree, that that weird guy? Who knows? But I actually think that Luke, who wrote this story down, said, and Jesus knew his name. I think he picked it out on purpose. So Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I have to stay at your house today. I think Jesus was doing something very, very, very potent right there in that moment. I was doing a bit of, having a bit of a chat with a friend of mine the other day, and she was talking about um, the fact that we all have we have core needs. So we have our values, and then we have core needs. So things that we that we need most more than anything. So things like certainty, things like significance, things like connection, contribution. We have these core needs. And my friend said to me, when core needs are not met, values will get thrown out the window. When core needs are not met, values can get thrown out the window. And that's why good people sometimes do bad things because their core needs are so big and so writ large on who they are that they just need to have these core needs met that they'll go, you know what, lying to my mum is an important value but my core need is bigger so I'm going to throw that thing out the window. Or, you know what, um, being faithful in my marriage is really big value but my core need is so big and that I'll throw that thing out the window. Or, you know what, um, being... Being important and having money and power and wealth is so important to me that I'm going to throw my values of of living the way God wants me to out the window. And I think that that's what, what Zacchaeus had done. He had chased after his core needs in the wrong places and he was looking for significance and looking for belonging and looking to be important and he was looking in the wrong places. He was looking in all the wrong places. And somewhere on the line, he's up a tree and a guy powerfully looks up and uses his name and says, come on, get down, we're going to your house. You You know my name and you're coming to my joint? No one comes to my house. I'm the chief tax collector. No one comes to my house. 
Whoa. And Jesus has kind of gone right to the heart of his core needs of going, I know who you are and I know that all you want to do is be significant and belong. And he's gone right to the heart of that core need by saying, I'm coming to your house. <clears throat> so what was Zacchaeus chasing? I think he was chasing wealth and I think he was chasing belonging and I think he was chasing significance. And he'd thrown out all his values in order to chase those things. So how did he respond? So, back to verses 7 and 8. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cosy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And those I cheated, I pay four times the damages. He's done this enormous leap of being a tax collector up in a tree to shimmying down and being at the feet of Jesus and going, all of it, give it all away. I give away half my income to the poor and all those that I've cheated, I'm going to remunerate them fourfold. And that's actually a bit of a throwback to what he knew was some, some Jewish rules. If you cheat someone, it, there's the eye for the eye thing, but if you cheat someone good and proper, you pay them back fourfold. If you steal a sheep, you give them four sheep back. He's actually going back to that. He's going, I want to go back and fix this. I want to do the right thing. So Jesus coming in and saying, I know who you are and I know your deepest need. I'm coming to your house and Zacchaeus shimmies down the trances of everything, everything that I used to believe in, everything that I used to chase after, everything that I used to hold dear, everything that was important, I sort of throw it all away and follow you. I, I, I follow you. It's quite a big deal. He offers restitution for the wrong that he's done But up until this point, he's actually still guilty for the wrong that he's done. So offering restitution, I'm going to pay back fourfold. That's offering restitution. But actually, he's still guilty. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because the next thing Jesus says is, today is salvation day in this home. Here is Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the son of man came to restore the lost. So he's gone from, I know your name, we're going to your house, to I give up everything that I've ever chased to chase you, to what? I'm saved, I'm put right with God, I'm set free from the guilt. That's what that means, saved. You mean I'm not guilty anymore? And Jesus says, yes, because of me, you're not guilty anymore. It's not what you paid back. It's not the change of your heart. It's because of Jesus. And, and I, I read on a little bit after this story. The very next thing that Jesus does, it's like he turns on his heel and he heads to Jerusalem. Because the next thing that Jesus is going to do in Jerusalem is die on a cross. So that everybody can receive what Zacchaeus received that day, 
not guilt for anything you've ever done, which is huge. Zacchaeus is just flawed. I would imagine he is absolutely flawed. So there's lots and lots and lots of things um, for us to take out of this. But the last thing I, I want to point out is that Jesus didn't stop at saying, today is Salvation Day in this home. He actually went on to say to the people around and to Zacchaeus, here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. He's actually reinstating him to the people he's just spent so long outcast from. He's reinstating. So he's actually going back to that deep core, core need of Zacchaeus and saying, I am now going to fix that one and reinstate you into belonging. It's pretty amazing. But there's one really big thing that I want you to hear in this story that I haven't covered so far. And I actually need to go back to this bit at the top. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cosy with this crook? So I just want to stop for a minute and imagine that we're there in the street. Zacchaeus is, he hasn't gone up the tree yet. He's actually like, Jesus is coming. And they're like, oh, Jesus is coming. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And he's got his followers and there's crowds and there's people around. And what I imagine is a bit of elbow action going on. There's a whole lot of Zacchaeus. Jesus doesn't want to know about you. You don't don't deserve to see him. You're just the dirty tax collector crook guy that we don't like. Sorry, this is a private show. I wonder whether there was some of that going on. Or there was, um, oh, you know, Zacchaeus. He wouldn't want to know about Jesus. He's, just, he's got all his you know, riches and money. He knows how to extort people. He, it, and and they're, they're, just, they're just standing in front of him. They're just enjoying their view of Jesus without regard for whether Zacchaeus can see or not. It's actually kind of big. It's actually kind of big. They were shutting him out. I remember a time when I was young. Um, I was a kid and I would go and spend the holidays with my grandparents. Every holiday, school would finish on the Friday, we'd hop in the car and we'd go down to a little town called Timboon down on the Great Ocean Road, stay with our grandparents and each afternoon during the week, my nan would yell out from the kitchen, kids, it's nearly time for pa to come home. It sounds like an old-fashioned show. It's nearly time for pa to come home. And us kids, me and my brother, we would like run to the driveway and we would look and we would wait and we would wait and we would look and as soon as we saw his white ute hit the top of the road, which is a fair way up, we would absolutely belt up there to meet him. We would run our little hearts out every time my brother would beat me and he would get to sit on Pa's lap and drive the car home down the road until one day, I must have channeled a little bit of Zacchaeus, got a little bit smart. I decided to get ahead of the game. I figured around about the right time in the afternoon, I went out to the garage, figured out how to shimmy up onto um, the, the pole that held the big gate with the big swinging gate, and I shimmied up onto the pole, sort of like about that pole. Standing up on it, I could actually look and see Pa's car coming up the other road, and I could see it coming, and so I would just sort of like get back down and start just up the road, and I would always beat my brother from then on. Beat my brother and I'd get to sit on my pa's knee and steer the enormous big huge car the entire way home, which was really not all that far. You know, but when you're a kid, um, let me draw it all together. 
some of you may not know Jesus. Some of you may, may be just like, oh, just, just checking this guy out. Heard he was interesting. Heard some people were checking him out. I don't know. Maybe that's you up the tree going, having a look at him. Just having a look at him. That's great. Love it. He is actually every bit as good as people are leading you to believe. He is actually the light of the world. He is actually the answer to everything in the world. You might be up the tree, just checking him out from a distance, not sure, but listen, because at some stage he will call your name and he will speak to the heart of your core needs. It may well be that you've known him for a long time, but you've forgotten how good he is. You might have forgotten how good Jesus is. You might have forgotten how reliable he is to speak into your deepest needs. You might have forgotten how absolutely potent he is to change your life and to transform things and to bring things to. So I'm just wondering if you'd like to be this young guy here. Come back, reinvestigate him, check him out afresh. Perhaps you have been caught up in the, um, the busyness of Christmas that you've been chasing the lights instead of the actual light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Chase him, not just the Christmas lights. And this is the biggie. I wonder if you were able to take a bit of a peek over your shoulder, not literally right now because you'll look at someone else, but if you were to take a peek over your shoulder and go, who else is looking for him that I have forgot to ask to come and look with me? Who else are you accidentally elbowing out? Or perhaps on purpose because this is your spot. Who are you elbowing out and stopping from seeing Jesus? Because he is good enough and big enough for everybody to share. And so I wonder whether for you there's an opportunity of saying, hey, come and stand beside me. I'm checking out Jesus. He is that good. Come and there's room. There's room beside me. In John 8, 12, it says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you are up a tree, take a really good look. Take a really good look. Ask somebody to help you take a really good look at Jesus. If you know him, get ahead of the game this Christmas. Run ahead, get ahead of the game and reinvestigate him. Invite someone in closer or seek the true light, not just the busy lights. So how, you might ask? Great. If you're up a tree and you're checking him out, there's this fantastic little booklet. Jesus, it's cold. Grab a copy. There's loads of them. I made sure there's extras around. Talk to somebody who knows him and say, I'm checking this Jesus guy out. Help me to find out who he really is. He's passed by your tree today. Today's the day he's calling your name.
I've got this great reading plan. It's called Journey to Bethlehem. It started a couple of days ago, but you can do catch up. 1st of December through to the 25th of December. If you know him, but you haven't been giving him enough attention or you've forgotten how good he is, then go back and read the Christmas story. This is the story from the beginning to the end of what God did in bringing Jesus to earth and changing the world. I can guarantee you there are people standing behind you in your life who would love to hear about Jesus. Christmas is quite a lonely time of year for lots of people. It's actually quite a difficult time of year. Imagine if we invited them to hear the Christmas story. I've got a friend of mine. um, I used to do playgroup with his son and he works up at a local 7-Eleven. I dropped in one of these the other day. I went in and, I don't know, bought a Coke Zero or something. He said, oh, you should come to this. We're doing this at, at where I work. It's going to be great. And he's like, oh, cool, thanks. It didn't kill me. I didn't die. He might not come. But what if he does? That would be huge. I never want to elbow anybody out of seeing Jesus. I never want to be in the way of someone seeing Jesus. And lastly... We've been talking about this series of the light of the world. He's actually the light of the world in the darkest places. And if you've got core needs that you need him to address, he's absolutely every bit available and able to meet them. We're going to sing. If you are up the tree and you are checking him out, that's great. Just listen, watch the words. If you need to reinvestigate him, put him back in the place of power in your life, bring him closer, then join us in this song. Join us in recognising how great he is and how important he is to us.